Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
invited five different women, uh, moms in this congregation, to come up and share some things they've learned about uh, raising their kids in a godly uh, way with a godly perspective. Um, and then I'll close it out. Um, so the first person I'd like to invite would be Holly. Holly Chandler. Yes. And bef you know what? Yes. We have to show that, that graphic before. Okay, guys, look at this. Read it. Does it resonate? You know, just a few people to fill in while mom's away. Or relaxing on Mother's Day. Yeah. My kids, my husband laughs at my purse because I have everything in that purse just in case. Um, I have Band-Aids. I have, um, my goodness, uh, I have a level for when we go to Lowe's. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Holly, thank you for your yes. And the question that I had for Holly was um, about seizing moments. Um, can you give us examples of how you seize moments with your kids to um, disciple them to, hey, this is natural. This is the way it's supposed to be. Can you share some of that with us? Yes. Um, first off, I just want to say that I have not mastered this topic by any means. <laughs> We're all works in progress here. Um, and there's so much involved in discipling our kids from sharing the gospel with them, reading the Bible with them, worshiping with them, ministering to them, asking for forgiveness. There's just so much involved in this topic. Um, and there's God moments around us everywhere all the time. But it requires us to slow down and be present in order to seize them. Um, but for sake of time, I just wanted to focus on one area that I feel like the Lord highlighted when it comes to seizing moments and discipling, and that's our testimony. Um, we, as we know, the Bible says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And it's obviously essential that we share with our kids the gospel and, and about Jesus' sacrifice for us. But I think sometimes we forget to do the second half of that, the verse with our kids of um, sharing our testimony, daily testimonies with them, um, we tend to do it with adults, and maybe we think it's above our kids' understanding, but I found it to be so contrary to that, and that they understand so much, and they tend to be so impacted by us sharing, like, God's doing this in my life right now, or helping them see what he's doing in their lives, and, um, you know, and that could be through um, sharing struggles that we're going through at an age-appropriate level, of course, um, sharing victories, sharing what the Holy Spirit's speaking or doing or saying, because we want our kids to have not only an intellectual knowledge of God, but also an experiential knowledge of God. And I would equate it to um, reading a Bible story to our kids versus um, telling them something God did in my life today. And we need both. We need the intellectual and the experiential but I found it can be easy to read the Bible story and kind of check that box off um, to be easier than being vulnerable and taking time to um, be real and honest with our kids. Um, and I think we sometimes can also feel like we need to put off an appearance that we have it all together for our kids, you know. But I think it's so helpful for them when we're real and honest and present. Um, and an example of that would be... Um, one day I was uh, just having a rough day and shedding some tears and 
the girls were like, mom, what's wrong? And I'm like, just pray for mommy. I'm having a rough day, you know? And, um, and it was just so cool to see God use my kids to encourage me and minister to me. Um, one of them prayed for me. The other one randomly played a song on the piano that I like really spoke to me. And then even the baby pulled books off the bookshelf and made a big mess. And as I was cleaning it up, there was this unsealed card on the floor that I had never seen. It was written by a friend of ours from a couple of years ago. And I opened it and it was like exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And it was so just like God working through the chaos of, of life to speak to me through my kids. And, uh, and then I was able to testify to them, like, look how God used you in my life in this hard day um, to, like, God can use you. And, and if, I, if I had hid that from them, they would have never been a part of that experience, you know? Um, and one more example of um, just seizing God moments was... Um, when we started stepping out in faith to pray for people in public settings, the girls would, they jumped on board and they would keep us accountable and be like, you know, we were at the store one day and one of them was like, dad, go pray for that guy with the walker. And we're like, okay, can't say no to that. <laughs> um, but so we prayed with him and praise the Lord. He left Costco carrying his walker. Wow, it was amazing. amazing. Like God is so good. And but again, it was just so cool that God can use our kids and our families together in the like seemingly mundane yep. areas of life, grocery stores, you name it, yeah. whatever. And I think that's part of seizing those moments and showing our kids that Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not just on Sunday, check Beautiful. a box, you know, it's every single day, Beautiful. every single moment. God wants to use each and every one of us, no matter how old or how young, um, if we are surrendered to his will and empowered by his spirit, you yeah. know, to, to go and be ministers of what he wants to do. So, Wow, that yeah. is so inspiring. Would you just thank Holly? I love it. Wow. Seizing the moment. Um, the next mom is um, Sandy Umbach. Sandy, where is she? She's coming. And for Sandy, the question was, how do you carve out time um, with God while raising kids at different ages? And there's Sandy's beautiful family. So share with us. Alrighty, I will. Well, the wild thing is, I wish I could sit here before you, and like Holly said, yes, we are intentional about discipling our, ch discipling our children, but the fact is, we hadn't a clue. I was a baby Christian, and Michael and I were just trying to keep our head above water. So everything I'm telling you is all an example of God's great mercy and graciousness to pursue me. And I might think that I was pursuing him, but really, I was trying to keep my head above water. You and me both. A lot of the young families in our church make it look effortless. I just don't remember it that way. I really don't. <laughs> I love my children, but it was hard to keep them alive. But the common thread, there were two big things that were the common thread then, 25 years ago, and now. And the first is the Word of God. And because I was a, a young Christian, I didn't know God. And that was His grace to me to introduce Himself to me. And there were mom's groups like Bible Study Fellowship and Community Bible Study and another group which wasn't so focused on the Bible but more on community, Mothers of Preschoolers. But those were three groups that were really instrumental in my young years 
maintaining my sanity and getting support and encouragement. And then Michael and I would teach Sunday school and the level of learning was just what we needed then and still. So here's a plug for MCC's kids program. Yeah, exactly. But the accountability that that provided was really rich. Um, so that's sort of what it looked like in those early years. And then as time went on and the kids were a little bit older, Michael would drag me to conferences. And I remember um, a conference with, it was the Holy, uh, let's see, it was a Holy Spirit conference out in Las Vegas. You can only imagine. Uh, he took me to IHOP. I mean, we've had some adventures, but those were times of refreshing that came from the Lord. Our kids were cared for back at home, and we would go off. And that also was keeping our head above water, you know, working through struggles of parenting and marriage and life and all those things. Wow. So that was another biggie. Wow. But the other, the other cool thing is, for, for us, God knew we needed this. We needed to be steeped in communities that had a biblical worldview, and we still had friends and neighbors that didn't yet know Jesus, but the core of our community yeah. were believers. So again, we were steeped in it. God was constantly pursuing us and giving us encouragement through other families. Yeah. And sometimes we would be the ones giving encouragement, but yeah. oftentimes we were the ones in desperate need of it. So, so that was the biggie. Wow. The Bible in context of community. The other thing was worship. And y'all get a great dose of it here at MCC. But in those early years, I got hooked on hymns, classical hymns. Mm -hmm. And again, young moms now, they just put their baby in the bed and the baby puts itself to sleep. Well, we were rocking. It was a big, long ordeal in our home. Oh, yeah. I mean, till they were very old. Yeah. They don't want me to tell you how old they were. And I was still singing to them. But I would sing all <laughs> the verses of these classic hymns. But then it, there, were, there would come these times where I would hear Kate singing it to Paige one morning. They shared a room, like all the verses of In Christ Alone. And David, when he was two, he was hooked on this song called Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing. He sang five verses of it constantly. He moved people in public to tears with this. But the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So although he's always present, there's something special when we praise and worship. So that was a time that I did not intentionally carve out, but I certainly experienced when the kids were younger. Um, and then, of course, you know, contemporary Christian music and the radio, and the kids will cringe now if I try to play any Casting Crowns. They got OD'd on that years ago, but that's what it looked like yep. kind of growing up. But you'll see the context of community and worship, and it's very different now. My kids are grown. God is not done with me, though. And the more I know about him, the more I know he's trustworthy, but I still know there's so much more to know. Yeah. Have you ever heard this word, omnificent, with an F? O-M-N-I-F-I-C-E-N-T, omnificent. Mm. I learned this from a woman yeah. in my Bible study yeah. just this past year, and I'm hooked on it. The omnificence of God is his infinite creativity. And my life testifies to that. All these circuitous roots where he's revealed himself to me in ways that have helped me to survive yeah. and thrive and testify to his goodness. But there are ways that are unique to me. And I know you can tell me different stories. Holly yep. shared one with us this morning. Yep. His omnificence. It's so much fun. Mm. And I'm still relatively young. Who knows what he's going to be up to? But he is always up I to I love you, good. Sandy. It's amazing. But my counsel to all of y'all would be, even if you're not a parent, just to get through this thing called life. Get your nose in the book. 
You're not going to know him. This yep. is his special revelation to us. There's no other way. Get your nose in the really? book. Yep. He is faithful to uphold wow. his word. And he also says that there are two ways that he transforms us into the image of his son. One is by renewing our minds, again, for the book. The other is worship, prayer, beholding him. It says that as we behold him, we are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which is from the spirit. Yeah. So that's what I think he's going to be doing moving forward. But I don't know. I just have learned it. Yeah. Trust him. Throw my hands up. He will Beautiful. do what's right. Wow. So inspiring. Goodness. Thank you so much, Sandy. Wow. My goodness. There is no reason for you not to have someone to speak with or um, ask questions. Here are just two examples already. Um, our church community is just filled with Moms who are imperfect but want to stay on that path, right? The kingdom. Uh, next person I want to invite is Katie Karsten. Katie? Yeah. Come up and speak to us about redemption. Um, how did you respond to your child who said, I don't need God and chose to walk away from him? Well, um, <laughs> It, um, we all, a lot of us have already been down this journey or we're in the middle of this journey or you're going to go down this journey and it is, it's hard. It's, um, it's very, very hard, especially if you don't know the Lord. It's going to be a struggle. But in this um, journey, my oldest, my only son started to go off path and it was a struggle. But that's when I, he began his journey into destruction and I began a journey into understanding who I truly am, the power and authority that I truly carry yeah. so that I could, God taught me how to wage an effective warfare for him. He literally showed me that there's a lot of um, ignorance when it comes to prayer and to, uh, and into spiritual warfare. And a part of praying, like a lot of what he showed me is that there's a lot of ineffective prayer and there's a way to pray effectively. Mm -hmm. And he taught me the way that you pray effectively. And you have to pray from this stance of understanding who you truly are. And now God can do all things, but he can't do it without you. He's got to have you True. to flow through. And so that's what he was teaching me is that there's a way. <laughs> there's a way and that you can walk by faith and not by sight. And so I was having to really, really be intentional about not being moved by what I saw, mm. but by what God was saying. Yeah. And in this journey, it was a process of about four years, but there was um, very key things that God taught me through this, and it was... The power of our words, number one, the power of the tongue. And the, the tongue is truly a, a weapon for either life or death and that you are going to reap what you're sowing. And so that was the first key thing. It was that you need, if you're going to see what God has promised you, you're going to have to get a hold of your tongue and you're going to have to speak life and not speak death. And you need to come out of agreement with all the death you've spoken. So did you, did you get that perfected right away? How long did that take you to see? Oh, oh. No, I mean, when I first got the revelation of, of the tongue and the power of it, it was, you know, God had to bring that to me. And I was like, holy moly, I've been speaking death all my son's life over him. We do it ignorantly. It's not, it's not done, you know, intentionally. But there was a lot. So I didn't understand that what we're sowing, we reap until, you know, I got the revelation of it. And so the words we sow, we shall also reap. 
And I had to get the revelation of that. And he told me, though, because of Isaiah 54, 17, that says, no evil weapon formed against us shall prosper, but also says in every tongue that has risen against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. And that's our heritage as servants of the Lord. And so he said, whatever, all the death you've spoken, just repent of the death and come into agreement with what I've said and now condemn every word of death you've ever spoken. And so I just said, I, can, I came out of agreement, I condemn all those words and I declared no word of death that has been spoken over my son will bear fruit any longer in the name of Jesus. And that was powerful. And so I had to slowly, you know, start getting, changing the language that I was speaking and starting to speak God's word instead of what I was seeing. And so I would see something in the natural that he was struggling with. And instead of gossiping about it to my friends, you know, complaining about it or whatever, I would say, no, my son is not anxious. He's anxious for nothing. He gives, he casts all his cares to the Lord, you know, just replacing what I was seeing in the natural with the truth of what God was truly saying. And then the power of praying. Like I said, he taught me how to decree his word and power and authority um, to pray the scriptures, not pray these begging God to do something prayers, but praying with his word, decreeing it, calling it as it be not, right? God calls things that be not as though they are. And God has put his word in our mouth and he says, you can call it and it will be because the word of God goes out and it gets established if you will decree the word in faith and not speak death. Cause when you're speaking death, you actually dig up those words. Um, and then the power of his love, the power of God's love, y'all. It is not, it's not human love. It, God's love is a force. It's a spiritual, it's the power of God. And so the love of God is in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Um, it honors others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It's patient. It, all these things. And he was saying every single day I had to make this choice because it is a choice. You're never going to just fall into the love of God. The love of man is so much different. It, that's a feelings and emotions kind of love. The love of God is an every single day, moment by moment choice that you're going to have to be intentional to make. And so every time that I was choosing the love, so when you know I was battling his criticism or his rebellion or whatever, and God kept reminding me, love him, love him. So when he was critical to me, I would respond in kindness. Choose to be kind. Choose to be patient with that. Choose to not take the offense on. And instead, I would bless him and pray for him. And God showed me that every time you do that, you are releasing the power of God into the circumstances to literally destroy what the enemy is trying to do. So the more you choose the love of God, the more you're breaking down those walls that are in the ones you're praying for and you're battling the darkness and you're tearing down what the enemy is doing. It seems so contrary to the natural mind because the natural mind is like, no, I got to tell him he's wrong. I got to, I should be offended. I have the right to be upset about this. And God's like, no, you do not. You need to respond in love. And when you respond in love, you release me into it. Wow. And guys, what's really great is that Katie, all she's talking about, she wrote a book. Yeah. This book, you need to get it and read it. Uh, you, can, yeah. you can find it in the back of the lobby. There's some free copies, but you can order it on Amazon. Yeah. It's powerful. It, that's everything God taught me. I put it in here because he said that what I've done in your son's life, I can do in anyone's life. If, they, if people will wake up and put the principles that I've put in my word into work. You know, a lot of people, not to condemn anyone, they don't take the time to get into the word and see what the word has to say about things. 
So I basically condensed it into here, and God was like, if they just know these things, if they'll act on these things, which are God's word and his principles, I will be able to do in their children's lives or their loved ones' lives that I've done in your son. And it truly will shorten the time that you're waiting for them if you'll wake up to the true power and authority you carry. So it's it's powerful. My son has truly been redeemed, and it was literally like a... Um, it seemed like a suddenly, it wasn't a suddenly, it was four years of what I was doing, but just to encourage you, it looked, it was four years of looking like nothing was working, like nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. It was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But I continued to, what I write in here, I continued to believe God. I continued to decree his word, continue to call him home. And all of a sudden it was an, all of a sudden he woke up. All of a sudden, the eyes of his, his spirit were yep. open, and he got radically delivered, <laughs> radically Jesus. saved. Go, Jesus. And he yes. got set on fire for Jesus. He's on fire now. Guys, <laughs> wow. It's powerful. Wow. Wow. So if wow. you'll just act on this, yep. get his word working in your lives and yep. love. Love it. You, you can see that, too. Thank you so much. My yes. gosh. Guys, Praise we have God. no excuse. Yeah. We have no excuse. Wow. My goodness. Powerhouses. All right. Taisha, come on up. So Taisha, welcome. You are a single mom. Um, You're studying diligently. Um, You have three children. You work two jobs. Um, Can you speak to us about perseverance and not giving up? Okay. So... Um, I think before you became a mom, I'm from New York, born in the 80s. Remember crack cocaine epidemic? Parents was crackheads. Mm-hmm. Um, forced to care. <laughs> and through those times, I knew the father. Um, so before I even became a mother, I had this relationship with the father. So it kept, he kind of just kept me to let me know he was always there, got things through, we made it through. Yeah. So by the time life came through, um, I would say by the time... Let's say I was chaired, like, when I was 17, when I realized I wasn't doing life right. I was like, okay, listen. They said you had love. I want it. They said you had freedom. I need it. They said, you, you know, you had the way. I'm clearly not doing life right, so I want your way. So by the time that came, you know, I've never been the same. And, you know, God just did a lot of um, healing, deliverance, identity, purpose, and so forth. So by the time I became a mom... Um, I was married for 12 years, um, and um, so when we came to Charlotte, God said, come here, and we got here. Little people came through, the twins came through, and just things changed, and, <laughs> and I changed careers and so forth, but I'm like, you know what, God, I trust you, but the true part was hard was that I knew, I knew how to trust him for myself, but now I had to trust him for three little people, and it's like... What about them? And he's like, I know what I gave you. I'm like, but what about them? He's like, I know you gave me three kids. I'm like, but what about them? He's like, sit down. Let me be God in your life and let me do this. And I'm like, God, I'm scared. He's like, give it to me. Give me your fears. Give me your worries. Give me your troubles. Because a lot of times what we do is that we pray and we filter our prayers. And we be like, God, you're so great. You're awesome. He's like, but what about that junk back there in your heart? I want that stuff. And I'm like, you want that? And he was like, yeah. Because I realized he's saying that he could do more with the junk than we could. And that's why we carry the burdens and the heaviness. And so he's like, give me that stuff too. So I gave it to him. And so I'm like, I'm trusting you. God has kept me and my daughter, she's seven years old. She watched. And then the thing is that God allowed me to heal and also guide her and, and cover her. 
because she saw so much and so that she wouldn't have trauma. Because I bind that up before I made babies to bring on extra trauma and that generational curses. We're not going to do that again. So we nipped that in the bud early, you know? <laughs> so God had gave me, you know, discernment and like straight um, access to my daughter. She's like to the hip. And then to where now she speaks in tongues. She's praying. She's like, Mom, we need to pray. The atmosphere is not right. We walk the floor. So she's like all there. And then little babies too, you know? So God has kept us. We make more money without the person. You know, God opened doors. I mean, he's, hand, he's showing off, basically. And it's like, wow, Lord. And if you look back, you're like, how are you doing all that? It's like, I don't know. It's God. It's God. It's God. And it's just, a, just a encouraging that trust the Father. He knows and he sees all. He's not, he's not the kind of ba- he's not a bastard father. He's not an evil God. Like, he put you out there by yourself. No, he will walk with you. He'll walk with you even in the midst of hell. He'll be there, you know. So I learned that no matter what I go through or where it be at, he's right there. And thank you for the Holy Spirit because he's always keep me connected. So thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. Well, Courtney Krajenka, if you could come. And I want you to know it was really hard narrowing down candidates to come and speak because every mom can share here, every person, everyone. Um, so get ready for next time. You might be called on. But um, Courtney, simplifying salvation to children. Can you share about how you and Grant shared salvation with your son, Jack, and his age, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So my son's four, four and a half now. And um, I would say there's about two things that we were pretty intentional with um, in raising our son and, and hopefully seeing his salvation one day. And the first thing that we did is we displayed for him how much we needed Jesus <laughs> on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. So that looked like praying for any and everything. It looked like seeking forgiveness. It yeah. looked like me going to Jack and saying, mama needs forgiveness from you for what I just said out of anger. Um, and so I, what, what my heart was, was that I didn't need to sit him down and say, here's the gospel from A to Z and here's the salvation prayer that you're going to pray. It was you're going to see how much I need Jesus and you're going to see how much better my life is with Jesus and our life is when the Holy Spirit's in the room. And maybe you're going to want that. And that's my hope is that you're going to want that. And, and that's kind of what organically happened was he would go, I just need to pray. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. You've seen me do something right there. (laughs) Um, Or yeah. I mean, it just kind of organically came because of what he saw. Right. Um, the second thing that we were intentional about is every night we read the Bible and I've heard so many moms say that. And, and yes, that's one of, one thing of that is just for them to understand the stories and to be inspired by the breath of life and the word of God. But, um, what comes from that is only fruit. Um, so every night we read the Bible together. And what's interesting is we'll read a Bible story and with kids, sometimes they don't look interested at all. And they think it's lame or whatever, or you're not really seeing it on their face. But throughout the week, what would happen is we'd be driving to the grocery store and he'd be like, Mom, what's the deal with Solomon? Like, tell me about that situation. Or like, did Samson really cut his hair and then he couldn't do anything anymore? And then why would that happen? And with little kids, they ask a billion questions and it's the why, why, why's. 
and I'm not the best with my patience with all the why questions. And I'm like, I don't know why this guy is blue, it just is. Um, but, <laughs> but I will say when he asked a question related to the word of God, or he asked a question about Jesus, or he asked even a question about my testimony and why I do what I do, I was always intentional about pausing and honoring his hunger for truth. I wanted him to know how much I value his seeking of wisdom. And I didn't always have the answer. I don't have the answers. But I would say, that's such a good question. Let's look it up in the Bible. One day he'd be like, what does heaven look like? And I'm like, ah, let's look it up in the Bible. What does Jesus look like? Let's look it up. And so now he's like, oh, this is cool. There's so much information I can get from the word of God. And so if I could just point him to the word of God, then the answers will come and they'll be good answers. So I will say with my son, what came was just very natural. One night we're praying, we're reading about Pharaoh and the Ten Commandments, and he was just rocked. He was like, this is cool, this is awesome. Oh my word, this is bad. Oh my goodness. Just like his whole world just was rocked by the story of Moses and Pharaoh. And at the end he goes, Mom, do you think Pharaoh went to heaven? And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, be with me. And I'm no Bible scholar, but I just said, you know, bud, I really don't think he did. I really don't think he did. And I'll pause here because one of the things that Grant and I do is we promise to always tell the truth. There's no sugarcoating. There's no, I'll tell you when you're older. Um, we will always tell him the truth about everything. Um, maybe it's modified to maintain some childhood innocence, but it's the truth. And so that's what we were intentional about. And so I said, no. I don't think Pharaoh went to heaven. And he was like, well, where would he go then? And they said, I think Pharaoh went to hell. And he said, what's that? And that, that came, from that came me describing what that would be and what God's heart is and how God does not want us to go there and how heaven was designed for his children and what that looks like. And he just out of nowhere said, well, I want to go there. I don't want that for me. And so I yelled at Grant from downstairs who was washing dishes. And I was like, get up here now. Things are happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and we talked to him about that prayer and what that looks like of giving his life to God. And it's not just about eternity, but it's about your day-to-day. -day, that your day-to-day -day is Jesus is the boss. Jesus is in control. Your choices are up to him. And so it just came very naturally. Yeah. Okay, so Courtney and Grant and Jack gave permission to show, they've, they uh, got a clip of this when he gave his heart to Jesus. So uh, get your Kleenex ready because it's really special. Okay, so. God, dear God, beautiful, thank you, come in my heart. Forgive me. For all my sins and for all my poor choices that I have made. No, I'm not a grown-up. I'm still a kid. But I'm with a grown-up. And come to my heart right now. Okay, me. For all my 
Oh my goodness. Wow. Courtney, thank you for sharing that precious moment with us. Um, and thank Jack too. We love you. So much. Wow. Yeah. I'm, as I watch that, I think, yep, it's about becoming like a little child. They're not jaded. Um, you would hope, um, innocent and that's how God waits for us just like that it's not about getting it all together or being a certain age um yeah how much time do I have okay all right well um this is my part um there are kids in we were living in Montreal the picture on the right and this is uh, February of 2022, right? What's that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit of my mama heart um, about parenting three kiddos. And I wanted to talk about <laughs> discipline. Um, I'm not a confronter. I do not like confronting. Um, so I want you to know that I really felt impressed in my heart. Uh, God confirmed to me that this was what you wanted me to share. And I'm not a disciplined guru. By no means have David and I done it right all the time. Uh, we've made great mistakes. And I'm just thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for our kids who are very forgiving. And um, I think they still enjoy being with us. You know, an eye roll from here and here and there, you know. But um, I want to say, too, people have prayed for us over the years. Um, they've, they've kind of taken us as an assignment and said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you and your family. Uh, sometimes um, I know one uh, lady in um, Connecticut when we lived there, she's still, we're still, still in contact and uh, I'm praying for you. She asks specifically about Sammy, Jordana, and Jake. How are you guys doing? I've been praying for your kids. If you can find someone to partner with you in that, it's invaluable. Um, but you have to seek it out. Ask. Sometimes they'll come to you, but look for someone. I mean, ask in your church community. Maybe it's a family member. I don't know. Um, I will say this, that God isn't as much concerned with our momentary comfort as he is with shaping our souls for eternity. One of the least popular methods that God uses is discipline. Least popular. I don't like it. Hebrews 12:11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The fact is, our Heavenly Father disciplines those that he loves. If God has disciplined you in your lifetime, it's because he sees you as a son or a daughter. He's confirming your identity. And it's the same when we discipline our kids. I know this can be a touchy subject, and um, like I said, I'm not a discipline guru, um, I'm not a wizard of discipline, but everyone inherits a sin nature. No one's exempt. Correction is a blessing that prevents shame and undue hardship down the road. 
Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Guys, that's a strong word, hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. What is the rod Proverbs is talking about? It can be physical, but not always. Okay? It's not always. An example of the fact that it's not always physical is Proverbs 17 and 10. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. You have to know your child. You look at their temperament. You pray hard (laughs) that you're doing it the right way. And usually you will see results, positive or negative. There can be different methods of discipline, and our goal must be to stay biblical and to be gracious always in our approach. Most important. Going back to Proverbs 13:24, you might say, I could never hate my child, but sending a person into this harsh world without a conscience, without a sense of direction, without teaching them self-discipline or receiving parental discipline is in essence not loving our children well. You're not preparing them. Remember that the word discipline means to teach. Um, Over the years, I've been with parents who have chosen not to be involved in the discipline conversation. We've had some good conversations. And here's what they've said. I don't want to say no. It hurts their feelings, and it's just negative. Discipline is a form of abuse because we're not letting them be free to be themselves and make mistakes. Another reason? Discipline is just a form of manipulation. Um, I want them to be able to think for themselves and make their own decisions. Oh, they're just too cute. They're going to grow out of it. Oh, it's just a stage. I'm too soft-hearted. I'm afraid they'll hate me when they grow up. I don't want to be mean. I mean, I've struggled with that many times. I was abused by my mom and dad, and I don't want to talk about it. That'll never happen to my child. I hear you, and I see you. And I pray for healing if you've experienced, especially the latter, if you've had a harsh discipline. Question to all of us is, will we choose to accept only principles in the word of God that we are comfortable with? Satan taunted Eve in the garden, and he said, did God really say that? Hmm, Eve rationalized. God possibly couldn't have meant that. Today, that might sound like my research is more 21st century. The Bible is just too old-fashioned. When we begin to rationalize and reason with our minds, and we try to conceptualize biblical principles in the light of the feelings of culture, in that moment, we have diluted or replaced God's principles and truths with our own ways. And we're really saying we know better than God. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they won't leave it. 
Oh, thank you for that promise, God. Have we bought into a lie that culture, friends, and society know what is best for us and our children? 1 Timothy 6.21. This is a powerful verse. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what? Look at the next few words. Falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Knowledge here is the Greek word gnosis, and that refers to systems that borrow and twist Christian beliefs. 2 Timothy 3.16, do we truly believe that all scripture is God-breathed and God-inspired, or do we only take parts? Friends, we need to guard our mind against Gnostic systems that wish to borrow and twist our thinking. As responsible Bible-believing Christians, we must question and, when necessary, push back on a society and government that says they know better and they care, quote-unquote, for our children, but they're passing laws and legislation hand over fist to remove our parental rights. The bullying and the peer pressure to cave to their ideology, it's real. Brainwashing through modernized school curriculum, incorporating sexually explicit materials in our schools and libraries, TV shows and movies laced with cute alternate lifestyles and storylines aimed at both adults and kids to desensitize our mind and our spirit. Parents, don't be duped. These are intentionally crafted. There is an agenda to destroy the purity and innocence of children and families. Parents, be vigilant. We must think in light of eternity. Not just the here and now, eternity. Don't let your guard down. You are the shepherds and the gatekeepers over your family. Wow. In fact, what passes through the eye gate and the ear gate can be life-altering, not just for kids, for adults, too. You know, a couple nights ago, David was coming home from uh, worship practice, and he called me and said, uh, look through the window, and there was a copperhead right on our walkway, right in front of our steps. And I had just been out there watering, you know. Um, and he said, can you go to the shed and get a shovel and bring it to me? Okay, guys, I, have, I do not like snakes at all. Like, even looking at a picture is a struggle for me. Um, and um, so I gave him the shovel. I think I might have threw him the shovel. I'm not sure. It's like, and he took the shovel, and he took the head off that thing. If you saw a poisonous snake itching toward your kids, you would react and protect them at all costs, right? Yeah. The devil and sin are those poisonous predators. Ruthlessly chop and cut out sin when you discern it or you sense it or see it. It is better to err on the side of caution than be afraid you might not be cool or fit in. For all of us now, not just moms and dads, what is the rod God is currently using in my life to discipline and teach me? 
What's he putting his finger on? Am I asking God, what do you want me to learn through this? This painful thing that I'm walking through. Am I numbing out? Am I responding well? Am I throwing a tantrum? God speaks sometimes through pastor, community group leader, a godly friend. Am I willing to be held accountable? Wisdom is learned, not inherited, and it's not innate. It takes discipline, a rod, to change foolishness into wisdom. Proverbs 27. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Dad and mom, don't be afraid to be boss. Children are constantly testing, attempting to see how much they can get away with, how far you will let them go, and secretly, they hope you won't let them go too far. Secretly. They won't tell you that. Nothing speaks more loudly to a child than a good parent's quiet example. Let your kids see you read your Bible. Read it with them. When children want to talk to you, turn off the TV. Put your phone or your book down. Give them your undivided attention. You just sent a message that they are the most important. Work at really listening to your children. Let them know you understand and empathize with their feelings. When you make a mistake, admit it quickly and apologize. Be consistent. Be fair, be forgiving. Always hug them after you discipline them. Makes a big difference. Work at acknowledging even small improvements on behavior. Keep on shepherding by design that God has given. He's so proud of you. And we see you, parents. You are so invested and intentional with your kids. You are so inspiring. We wish you were some of the friends that we were around when we were raising our kids because we learn from you. We see. You're doing a great job. And on a more profound note, it doesn't hurt a child to go to bed without a bath. And that's the end. Actually, no, one more thing. Um, I wanted to say thank you to all the five moms um, that came and shared. Um, your wisdom of years um, is priceless. And I would encourage every family here, if you are looking for input, wisdom, just come and see us and ask us. We have incredible leaders, uh, parents, um, older generation that their kids are grown that would love to sow into your life. So be encouraged. And thank you, and happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. Wow, what a blessing. Um, I, I just want you to know that um, as, as I think of every word that was spoken today, um, 
you know, this is not... Sometimes, you know, we have the tendency to appropriate what is spoken and we make it ours and it's like, oh, I have failed in so many ways. And uh, you've heard it from Lois. We have not done a perfect job. We have not done a magnificent job. We just... I think Sandy said it well. We just, like, we were trying to survive. Uh, very young parents... Didn't have a clue. Broken. Uh, broken. I didn't like reading books. She, I just left all the books to her. <laughs> Being honest. Um, but you know what? Uh, there's nothing that can replace. Uh, because God loves us so much. And he wants to impart in us. And so this topic of discipline, even though it's like hard. Because we feel like, oh, dear God, I have messed that up so many times. But God is so gracious, and he's so loving. And you know what? None of us are ever going to get it always right. But none of us are always going to get it wrong either. Come on. Give yourself a little bit of grace. And uh, I just want to take a moment and just um, to, to bless all of you parents in general, moms especially, but all of you parents, because you know what? We're all trying to do the best that we can. And thank God for this book. Have you noticed that the theme today was just like teaching our children the word of God, the word of God. You know, the word of God is what changes lives and transforms us. That's what it does. And so I want to ask all of you moms to stand up one more time, if you don't mind. And we're just going to bless you. And husbands, if you're there, put your hand over their shoulder. Just bless them. Yeah. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. And so, Father, I just want to thank you for every mom, every godly woman that is a spiritual mom in this place that may not have yet experience or maybe not experience the blessing and the joy of motherhood. Lord, I pray for all the moms that have been blessed with children that they have adopted. We pray for them. Father, we pray for every grandmother. In fact, if there's any grandma here, stand up as well because you're a mom too. And, and uh, I just, Father, we just bless every woman and every family that they represent today, we ask you in the name of Jesus for your blessing, for your strength, for your wisdom over their lives, that what they have received, that they would impart it each and every day. Lord, your word declares that the older women be an example to the younger ones. And I pray, Lord, that we would just be a church body, a church family where the older women provide the example of godliness that your word inspires us to be. Lord, I bless you. I bless my wife today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the words of life that she has communicated. I ask you that every word would just penetrate our hearts and do the work that only your word can do in each and every one of us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also 
to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.